Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome into the show. We've got some very special guests with us today. We've got Liz Loza, stepmom Lauren. We have lots of fun questions. We have a mini drinking game. Super excited about that. Um, ladies, introduce yourselves, although you need no introduction. Lauren, tell us where we can find you on Twitter and what you're working on. Um, I'm Stepmom Lauren. You can find me on Twitter at Stepmom Lauren. Um, also have a website, stepmomlauren.com, writer for the Fantasy Footballers, also soon to be contributing to Fantasy Pros, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Uh, with, yeah. I, 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 I'm setting, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm setting the mood for you. I don't know which way to go. Look, our purple fireplace. Oh, because we're on a double date. You. We're on a double date. We're on a double date. really trying to in, in the new car. car. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. Yay, that's me. I'm I'm not on TV or anything like that, so I'm not I'm not cool like my date is. I see her <laughs> <No. date. laughs> right there. She's um, my better half. <laughs> oh, um. Well, wow, that's a very um. I I will say also. Hold on, Lauren does an excellent job. You made some um like Reese's Pieces brownie straight to my behind sort of treats uh <laughs> recently. You did that? Are you doing yeah. that on Instagram too? I I was really bored during coronavirus quarantine and like everyone else. I'm like, I just want to make and eat a lot of food. And I didn't yeah. feel like baking anything. So it was just a no bake. But um, I also made a, like no a seafood bake? dish. Yeah, they were no bake. Um, I did a seafood dish. It was a, it was a uh, steamed lobster tail with uh, seared scallops and colossal shrimp in a butter shrimp scampi sauce with sauteed bok choy and cream spinach. It was quite delicious that was my nice. crowning achievement <laughs> and i'm hungry even though i already ate dinner just about it but thank you very much liz you're welcome <laughs> well <I> that. <laughs> that was super fun to watch i enjoyed it um i didn't make it and the crackling of the parchment paper was like <laughs> yeah but it's okay um <laughs> oh well so liz what, tell us about yeah. yourself what, who do you work for where are like, uh, yeah, really you. <laughs> um, so you can find me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. I also have an Instagram at Liz Loza underscore FF on Instagram as well. Um, I work for Yahoo Sports. Uh, this will be my fifth season with them or it will be my in July will be five years with Yahoo Sports. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, right now, I'm working on a couple of things. We have the Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast that I do um, two times a week right now, or all of the Yahoo's kind of flip in and out, but I'm on one to two shows a week. We have it twice a week, so you can check that out. And I'm working on a written series, two of them actually right now. One, so I have been like, I feel like not enough people are talking about how corona could change things i mean there's just this kind of like hmm, thank you it's going to be an abbreviated off season but check out this guy's juke rate and i'm like yeah <laughs> it's like, not later right hmm. yeah, right like acl when it snaps yeah right and so i feel like not and, and i actually just talked with matt Harmon on the yahoo fantasy pod because I, i'm like why is everybody just defaulting like why are we just pretending like this is your at we're in a global pandemic like what we're just looking around like everything's kosher like everything's fine like everything's normal we just had the commissioner of the nfl apologize for basically blackballing colin kaepernick shit ain't the same folks like we need to start 
having a moment where we recognize that the sleeper that you really, really liked at the end of December may not pop and you got to adjust or be flexible or some of the projections that you had even in April after the draft, right after the draft or in mid-May aren't going to work anymore. So I reached out to this um, orthopedic surgeon and team doctor at University of South Carolina, uh, South Southern California, USC, the Trojans. And um, we're working on a series together called Rest versus Rust, where we profile five different players, one each week. We are starting Ball Blast Ladies with Ben Roethlisberger. Because there's a lot of discussion every year about, oh, well, this player is going to kill it because he's well rested and coming off of an injury. Or, well, that's not true because he's going to be rusty. And so I wanted an actual doctor who has performed ACL surgeries and Achilles repairs and elbow tear repairs to talk about the issue. And I wanted to ask him the question. So I'm starting that series. It's called Rest versus Rust. And that is going live on Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Fantasy Sports on Monday. Um, and then I'm also working on a story that this is much more of just like a journalistic passion project um, about the effects of the coronavirus on youth sports, which is not something I've done before. But because we're all uncomfortable, I am really trying to get as uncomfortable as I can in the hopes that there can be some growth and some silver lining in this otherwise completely dumpster fire of a year. So uh, I'm writing something different and I'm talking to coaches and um, people who run like I just spoke to today about a with a a guy who runs like basically um, a little league style baseball tournament throughout northern and central and California and also Nevada and the effects that that has had on him and what this means for like the next generation of professional athletes. So uh, working on that as well. It's going to affect yeah, everything because if we don't have college football, how is that going to work next year with players being drafted? Those who have that next year to really break out scholarships, it's going to change everything. And then also what yeah. you're with high school is you, they're losing this time to really prove who they can be. Like you build just a scouting scholarship. Like it's going to be crazy how much it's going to affect football. Well, And I think something that's being overlooked when we're talking about this and that I'm hoping to dig in more on um, is that like public schools are obviously up against different liability issues and different funding and different budgets and private schools have, you know, a lower enrollment. So they're able to better socially distance according to protocols. They also have unlimited budgets and donors and, they can sign waivers. And so what this does for economically disadvantaged families who are hoping for a scholarship is not being discussed. And I, I feel like, you know, that is a, a big issue here. And the stakes are very different for different people. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I haven't sure. thought about the, the so, socioeconomical difference. Well, I already between... know in public schools, they're going to school, like certain half the schools going on Monday, Tuesday. Half the school is going on Thursday, Friday. They take off Wednesday to clean the whole entire place. So there's definitely not going to be sports because that it's not even possible when only half the students are allowed on campus at one time. And then my sister works at the private school, and they get to choose whether they want to come to school or do it from online. And they just have to, like you said, that sign a little waiver. So all of them could come if they wanted to, and I'm sure they'll figure out a way to do sports. So you're completely correct on your statement there. 
Well, yeah, and that's for a fantasy football like perspective on this, nothing you know changed the world like what Liz is doing here, which I absolutely mm -hmm. love. There are so many layers to what we're experiencing right now. But from a fantasy perspective, if you want to look at it from a draft, like normally the late round, you know, spots you want to take guys that you throw a flyer on it, dart throw, maybe he'll hit. But if if someone pops with coronavirus, they're quarantined for two weeks. What does that mean for the surrounding players? Are they going to have to be quarantined too? Do I have to get the handcuff of the handcuff? Who are we looking at here? How deep is the practice squad going to be now? How is that going to affect all the other surrounding players? So there's so many parts to it. The fantasy footballers actually brought that up on a recent podcast. It was like, man, you're right. There's there's a lot of stuff. Like, just it affects us all around, all around. It's just crazy. I mean, the protocols that Dr. Weber was talking about at USC, and he also said that they are taking their cues from the NFL. Like all of the collegiate programs are waiting for the pros to make some protocols, and then they'll they'll follow suit. So there's continuity. Um, and he was saying that the plan is to have at USC, like, I believe, eight to 12 players. And of course, all of this knowledge, like all of this data changes rapidly day to day, practically. So, you know, that's part of the reason the story is a, a little bit frustrating for me to write, because I feel like everything is moving. But he did say that at USC, the plan is the first of all, he said that the um, the priority is to get football back and then they'll talk about the other sports. But football is the priority. And um, they're planning to have players uh, quarantine in eight to 12. So I think about an offensive line. He also added that um, weight is a factor in how quickly you can recover from Corona. So um, he's not at um, Seattle Grace Sloan. The worst years of my life were spent at Seattle Grace. I. <laughs> He's also, USC is nowhere near Washington. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, Dr. Weber, Dr. Dr. Anatomy. Dr. Dr. Weber um, was a doctor on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, that, that's yeah. the pull. Yeah. That's okay. why I'm laughing over here because uh, I love Grey's Anatomy. So I, I, I love Grey's Anatomy, guys, until I became a nurse. And then I met Michelle like shortly after I became a nurse. And we realized we both love Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, oh my God, let's sit down and have a, a Grey's Anatomy date night. We, we turn it on and then within like 30 seconds, somebody codes and I'm like, this is the worst code I've ever seen. Like, no one has <laughs> not watched And it. I was just yeah. like, we didn't even get through the episode. I was like, this is trash. I was like, out. You can't I watch a, a <laughs> medical show with a real nurse. With a medical show. professional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As much as COVID sucks and it's probably going to affect the football season, I can't imagine we Let's get through pretend. it. We're going to just pretend like fantasy football matters for this short time. And that's I, all I have right now, besides my husband. And my us, Don't take that away from me. We're going to get into it. So what we're going to do is debate a little bit, I guess, but we're going to all give our answers for who we would prefer to draft. If they're both sitting on the draft board, we're, we're going to discuss two players at a similar average draft position um, and who you would rather have for 2020. We don't have to think about the future, just 2020. So we're going to start here with Todd Gurley. He's a running back 15 ADP versus C8's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back 14, rookie for Kansas City. Who are you taking, the, the old man with the new team? Or I call him old, he's 24 and like five years younger than me. <laughs> or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie. We'll start with Lauren Gavales and come up to us. Oh, uh, this might be spicy, um, but I am going to take Todd Gurley. I like Todd Gurley as the basically the unquestioned featured back in Atlanta. Look, I'm, I'm book so professional. I'm like, I take Todd Gurley. <laughs> no, whatever. 
Let me trick some more. But I like him where he's at. He there is very little competition. Um, I feel like Andy Reid can forget that he has running backs sometimes. And I don't necessarily know if I like that. Plus, he still has to earn that RB1 spot still. I think he will. Not really a question. And I like the experience that Todd Gurley brings into it. His knee is an issue. Yes, I do understand that. But I love Matt Ryan this year as well. And I think they're going to utilize him as a pass catcher if they're worried about any sustainability with the knee. It's close. But I think I might lean Todd Gurley on this one. Love it. It's really interesting that you guys picked these two because I have them at 14 and 15 in my rankings, respectively. <laughs> so they're, uh, 14 is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Wow. So as much as I appreciate and I have advocated, I think, for Todd Gurley and his expected workload, live in Los Angeles, Rams fan, dig it. Um, I also love the story of him coming back to Georgia and doing what he did. And he is attached. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you want out of a running back? You want a running back that's attached to a good quarterback and a fire offense. Both of these guys have that. I just don't think, and I know that Andy Reid has sometimes forgotten to lean on a running back in a workhorse way. You don't spend a first round pick on a guy that you don't plan to use that way. And when I look at the Chiefs, and all of those weapons and the field stretchers that they have. I mean, I just wrote an article called "Last Julio's Last Dance. And oh, I, love I read that, by the way. That was a great piece. Thank you. Great piece. I, need to go read I loved it. it. Thank you. I and I mean, bring that up later, too, because uh, I love Matt Ryan and Julio well, Jones is here. I mean, Julio Jones, according to Jerry Rice, is the best current player at wide, at the wide receiver position. But... Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman, who I'm also expecting a bit of a breakout from, can stretch the field in such a way that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not going to see any stacked boxes. And so when you look at his ability as a receiver, his three-down skill set, I just think he's a special player as well. In fact, Joe Burrow said he was the most impressive player he ever played with. I'm going to give the advantage to the fresher legs, but it is obviously at 14 and 15 very close. All right. Do you want to go? For I, have I suppose I'll accept this. I don't know who you're going to pick. I'm going Todd Gurley here. I was actually, so we just like finalized our projections, not finalized. We continue to tweak, but we just like finished our projections, our full stats for 2020. I was shocked to see how high Gurley went. He's top 10 for me and it's very scary, but it's literally volume based. I think with the contract that he received, they are going to run him into the ground if they can, if his legs hold up, you know, I think the, the question for, you know, the Rams, do we want to run him into the ground the way that he's been so efficient? Because we just paid him all that money and we need him to last. Well, it doesn't matter anymore. Like he's gone. And now he's on a short term deal. They can really get all of that volume to him. There hasn't been a clear even number two. It's no question for me. Yeah. I should yeah. have to go first because you just took all my stuff. I thought she was actually well, do you going want to, to go. talk about Edith Smith? <laughs> I thought you were going to go Clyde Edwards Hilaire for sure. I'm the same way as her. Like I have Clyde at 14 actually in my rankings. I think he's going to be good. I just am worried. I'm like the biggest Damian Williams hater in the world. But I <laughs> we no. talked about that last year, remember? Like we <laughs> talked about that. I feel like last time I was on your show, I was like, why is everyone drafting this guy? I don't know if it's a four-dollar yeah, yeah. that he's going to. Yeah, and I think I love that because I, I was hating on him so hard last year. But I still think he could maybe be involved in the passing game. I don't know. I, I love Clyde. But Todd Gurley, he has no competition. It's Brian Hill and Ito Smith, who I once called a poop emoji on Twitter. I didn't at him or anything. I just said Ito 
Smith is a poop emoji and he liked it and got really mad at me. But anyways, besides the point, I <laughs> I wasn't like trying to be mean to him. But so was, in Edo Smith's basement, he's got a picture of his knives for target right. practice. Every but anyways, at a real, for real reasons, he's going to see the volume. Devonta Freeman last year had 70 targets and he was hurt and missed some games. Yeah. Like, Gurley's going to be heavily involved in the passing game, and that's what we're looking for here. But CEH could be as well. They're close, but I'm going to go with Gurley and Dominate. Oh, Dominate. But Gurley, not close. It's a little close. It's Nate. not as close. It's certainly it's not as close as I was expecting it to be. And I also like the um, it's there's like basically if you stat it out with Devonta Freeman could have done. I think it was could have been up to 210 rushing attempts that he's leaving on the board for no one else to take except for Todd Gurley. So and again, but just like Liz said, this is like splitting hairs with a hatchet, man. It is so close. But I usually trust veterans more than I trust rookies anyway. That's just a personal thing for me. Um, not so much when it comes to running backs or so wide receivers. But for me personally, I like where I can get Todd Gurley, especially with that RB1 potential. I know he's going to have the volume. He's going to be that unquestioned featured back. And I, I want to see him succeed. So maybe that's like wishful thinking. If I draft him, he'll do well. <laughs> you draft, every game matters so much that you win. Like, Clyde could lose you a couple of games at first until he gets situated into that offense. You know Todd's going to have the volume. We were going to play a little drinking between each question, but Liz is on her. Uh, her I, I, it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll chug some LaCroix. It's fine. Yeah. All right. This is my favorite one because it's so ridiculous, but I, I feel like I've probably done it before, which is really embarrassing. Take three sips if you've ever cried at a fantasy loss. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I've teared up a little bit. Oh my god, she's like drinking, drinking. That was way more. No, girl, I'm a no. I've cried a lot. I lost. You don't oh. cry. Oh no, I cried. Michelle, you go to bed and I turn over and I no, cry. Oh yes. Do not admit that to people. <laughs> oh, my god, I'm like slightly teared up if I've lost like a finals game. But, like, Can you talk you about doing? the most recent? No, I have no shame. I have no shame. I, no, especially I when it's a bad beat, I, I have no shame. I'll cry. I did drink. I'll lose if I, I, I've only cried if I've lost um, like a championship, but that's yeah, a game. So yeah. I Not like a, like no, it was first round of the playoffs. Most recently it was first round of the playoffs and I was going head to head with Michelle and oh. I had, who did I have? Tyree. She had a stack team. I Julio, had no reason Jones, to be in the playoffs. Melvin Gordon. Um, I literally had every freaking stud. I like ever that when it's the worst. I crawled into the playoffs with some garbage players, but I like kept like I, I made my way in. And then Slayton had like thirty points and beat her. Ah, I had, like Mike Evans. I'm like I'm missing all of. The she stuff. was actually pretty mad at me that night. It was like oh, she was, wasn't even like joking. It no, was, it, it was a pretty. It was so okay. I wasn't joking. <laughs> Now I'm pissed off again. Let's go on to the next question. <laughs> Committed to people that you turn over in bed and cry. <laughs> Girl, it's okay. I would have done the same thing. I get. I'm gonna emotional. have to I get invested. I get heavily invested. All right, let's go on to the next question. All right, three more old men. Calling mm. old that are legit the same exact age as me. Or um, younger. Or younger. Okay, so which one would you rather have in 2020? We go with Melvin Gordon with his new team. Running back 17. He's actually the most expensive. Le'Veon Bell running back 18 second year with the Jets. And David Johnson with also his new team running back 20. 
Who are you taking out of these? Who submitted this question? <laughs> um, I did. I wrote it. You. The you devil. and I are going to exchange words later. Why? Well, I love. Okay, I I literally have a piece coming out about Le'Veon Bell, Tom Gurley, and David Johnson. In oh, I love all three of these guys. I love all three of these guys. So I went first last time. Liz, let me harness my chi for a minute while I have to decide. Yeah. <laughs> so I think my answer, so this is one that if you had asked me, I don't know, in March or April, I would have answered differently. Um, but now I am moving Melvin Gordon up in my ranks after the draft. When I saw what um, Denver was able to do in terms of giving Drew Locke so many aerial weapons, um, I think there's going to be more field stretching. And I also feel like the defense, you know, did lose some key pieces, but Vic Fangio knows what to do. And this is still a run-based offense and a defensively run team. So that means more rushing attempts. Philip Lindsay is in the mix, but clearly the team does not believe that he's an every down player. Maybe it's because of his size. Maybe they shouldn't think that, but that does seem to be the thought that he can't be a full workhorse. Um, and so I'm going to give the advantage to Melvin Gordon, who, you know, maybe doesn't have the best YPC in the world, but at the goal line continues to deliver, deliver and also can work as a check down for Drew Locke, who sometimes gets a little scatter shot if you watched any of his tape at Mizzou. And you know, tries to write checks that his arm, his arm can catch, but uh, can catch, but his um, accuracy can't. So I think that there's going to be some forced checkdowns to Melvin Gordon. And, you know, I do want to say I am higher on David Johnson than most people, because I don't necessarily believe that he's washed. If you watched him over the, what, first six games of the season, first five games of the season last year, he was crushing it. So I think it's a little bit, yes, after the injury, you know, he did look washed. But rest versus rust, spoiler alert, he's one of the players I'm talking to the doc about. Ooh. So um, I do like his volume, but if I'm looking at consistency and especially in those early rounds, players that I want to hammer at the running back position because there are so many question marks early, uh, I'm going to give the advantage to Gordon. All right. Gordon. Well, this is why you're my date. This is why you're my date. I mean, this is how we roll. So mm -hmm. I'm actually not as high on Melvin Gordon as you are. I think Philip Lindsay is a little bit too explosive. And it's not that I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to do well. I think he will. I just want to personally avoid it. I think there's too many mouths to feed. There's a couple offenses that I'm kind of ang about. Um, I love Le'Veon Bell, but I do lean David Johnson. It's like I can't quit the man. I love him so much. You but wrote I especially love him. For I love him. Say what? You wrote a big piece about him for the ballers last year, and it was fantastic. I did, and I, I wrote one two years ago and one last year. So I, apparently, I, I, have an, I have an addiction, and I have a problem, okay? I know. <laughs> but I really like him in Houston. Um, there is a bit of an issue, I think, with the Duke Johnson, which is going to be really annoying as it is with, like, which Johnson just scored the touchdown? Oh, it was D Johnson. Which D Johnson? David Johnson or Duke Johnson? Let me go check my phone. I'm freaking out now type of thing. But beside the point, yeah. he did mention to the Houston Chronicle that he has a big chip on his shoulder that he wants to try to exercise. And he wants to do that in Houston. Um, I think he is going to be used, heavily utilized, because Bill O'Brien is going to have to deal with even more backlash than he already has seen if he does not justify this trade that he made in the offseason. And I think the volume is going to be there. Like, I don't care if your knee hurts, David Johnson. You're going to roll your way to a first down. I don't care. So I really like him for that reason. But Le'Veon Bell is very intriguing. 
I like both of those guys, and I'll take either one of them if they're available to me at the right spot, probably around any the fourth or fifth round if I can get them. Lev Bell and his situation in the Jets, they have a much improved offensive line. And they did bring in Frank Gore, which a lot of people don't like because it's Adam Gase's bestie, understandable. But he's that line from scrimmage, third and one back, which will free Le'Veon Bell up to catch the ball. And they made some notable additions. Just kidding. They added Rashad Perryman, Braxton Berrios, <laughs> Josh Doxson, and got rid of Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas, T.Y. No, I'm sorry, T.Y. Ty Montgomery and Bilal Paul. They have the most vacated targets in the NFL. So if they're going to use Frank Gore as a line from scrimmage back, that big bruiser getting it done, they're going to free up Le'Veon Bell with a better offensive line. So those two, that's really difficult for me, but I'm going to go with my brand, which is David Johnson. So I'm going to stick with this here. Go, David Johnson. I want to say sorry for my dissertation. (laughs) No, I appreciate your dissertation. I want to say one thing. So, A, Michelle, great question, because as each person spoke, each person spoke, um, I I ebbed and flowed with my answers. So I literally started off at Love Bell, went to Melvin Gordon, then to David Johnson, back to Love Bell, and then back to David Johnson again. And that was just like listening to you guys talk. So credit to you for the question. Because I think it's a really good question. Um, I'm, I started with Love Bell. And it's purely a volume-based thing. But Mm -hmm. I think I'm Team Lauren. I think I'm actually going with David Johnson. If we can look at... The, the can I can I say something about David Johnson before yeah. you make your opinion? Like I I stand for him too. I've gotten killed on many many podcasts for saying you can't say he's washed. But Duke Johnson is the reason that for me he's be- below Melvin Gordon because when you look at the buff when you look yep. at Denver's backfield, you know what these two backs do. And you're right that Philip Lindsay is wildly explosive, but. David Johnson is best when he is, he's a speedster, right? He's best when he's running to the outside and he's catching passes. That's where his talents lie. He is not great between the tackles, especially given all of the nicks and injuries he's had. So if Duke Johnson is there, and don't forget, that was part of a pretty high price trade as well. The acquisition of of Bill O'Brien. They traded a third for him. Right. So, but you're thinking, all right, so who gets the targets then? Like, who, right. is David Johnson going to get the targets or is that Duke Johnson? In which case, if if David Johnson isn't getting those targets, then he's being asked to do something he's not particularly good at doing and on an offense that is without its best receiver who's moved to Arizona. And we don't know if Brandon Cooks can be a field stretcher. Yeah. Yeah, he's not DeAndre Hopkins, that's for sure. And that's actually one of the reasons in this article with the Houston Chronicle I brought up too is when he talked to Bill O'Brien – Bill O'Brien convinced him that he's going to be used in the way that he was in 2016, the breakout year for David Johnson. Yeah. So Bill O'Brien has honey talked him onto this team and basically has Ooh, made honey talk. Yes, you I are like good. Do you like that? Oh, I just I honey talk. Because I'm thinking about honey biscuits right now because I'm hungry. But that's beside the point. <laughs> but there are, like you said, there are more vacated targets. Brandon Cooks is not DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, I understand that Kenny Stills is there. Kiki Cootie is there too. But in Deshaun Watson technically doesn't target the running backs, but does he have a choice? Who else are we, you know, are we really going to be using? And I didn't, I can't remember who said this, but didn't Bill O'Brien say they kind of wanted to rework how they're looking at their offense? I, I could be sure. making shit up. Don't quote me. me on that. No, it's but it's very valid me. points. And Duke Johnson does scare me for the volume for sure. That's why it's so close for me between Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. I'm just not as much of a believer in Melvin Gordon, but by all means, draft him if you can, because I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying don't draft him. I'm just saying I might personally press up on it. 
I'm also kind of known for cutting off my nose to spite my face. So there's that. <laughs> Ladies, this is all a trick question. Your, your answer should have been none. Like, <laughs> I don't want any of these guys. And none of these guys will be on any of my teams. And that really wasn't a trick question. I actually wanted to know your opinion. But Melvin Gordon, <laughs> Melvin Gordon, and, and I, who knows? He's hurt all the time. He asked if I would go. Yeah, the, yeah that's, yeah. He's probably going to be fine, but. Drew Locke. Why not. did everybody forget about Royce? But Lindsay's and he's on the yeah, roster right? bubble. He's on the roster bubble. There's reports I that they're not going to keep him. Let him go to they a should team keep that actually uses him. Royce is he lost his job to an undrafted free agent. Right. So that's why no one's talking about Royce Freeman. Lindsay and Freeman. You're right. They're, both of their targets got cut in like basically half once, like their their pace, their 16 game pace would lock. That, that whole offense just went down with Locke. And maybe he could get better his second year. You expect it. But he was not targeting the running backs at all. And I'm a little bit scared with how many touchdown opportunities they're going to have. So I'm not touching Gordon. Lev Bell is Lev Bell. He was already terribly inefficient in Pittsburgh. He just, in his last year with Pittsburgh, he just got a ton of, ton of volume. That's all. So that's pretty much like, you knew he was going to be terrible with the Jets, but he's going to get the receptions. That's great. I bet you Adam Gase gives way too many carries to Frank Gore, who was absolutely terrible last year as well. They're going to give him, some for some reason, the goal line work when he had like 11 carries at the one-yard line and got in twice. 11 carries at the one-yard line and got in twice. That is embarrassing. And then David Johnson, his best thing, like Liz said, is receptions and Duke's there to compete against him, and Watson does not. Check down. He runs. So this is actually to do that. my so, question. Michelle. I don't want any. Who hurt you? I don't want any. Who hurt you? Bad. I have a fantasy, not in real life. Um, I, I actually haven't looked this up. Does anybody know how many routes that David Johnson ran in his breakout season? I can look it up on PFF, but I am having some password issues. I think Why would anyone know that? I don't like. I don't know the, I don't so, like, I'm just. I'm. I'm wondering if maybe because of the absence of those extra targets that would have gone to DeAndre Hopkins, I'm wondering if maybe they actually might use David Johnson not out of the backfield, but maybe just literally as a slot the receiver. Out. Yeah. Did you, see, the did you see? I see him on the field last year, though. He couldn't move. He was so slow. But he's rested. He was the RB6 where he got hurt. I mean. Yes, Kenyon Drake did take his job. Agreed. But he was oh, still the RB6 before he got can hurt. Can we talk about Kenyon Drake, Michelle, for a second? Because I know that you're hella high on him. And, like, <laughs> I retweeted your article about Joe Mixon, which I have not read, but I don't think I agree with you about. Um, then just go from, read. Gotta read it. I know I got to read it. I know I got to read it. But I think, like, our reasoning is just a little bit different. Because um, I read a thread. And Kenyon Drake, I'm high on him. I have him ranked high. Absolutely. I understand the thought process. However, I, I mean, Kenyon Drake has never put it together but a, one December and another December. Like, if we're going to talk about players who are consistent and I want to – and, like, you can also say believe who uh, – like, um, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Well, Kenyon Drake ain't a full-time consistent player because you only happen to show up in fucking December. <laughs> so you actually do have to read like the Robbie the, Anderson. <laughs> read, the, read the article because it's actually okay. really it has some really good stuff in there. And every, so there's been 33 running backs that have been top five since 2008, right? So that there's been 60 spots since that time. So most of the time, people repeat if there's only been 33 different ones. 26 of the 33. 26 of the top five, 33 running backs did it their very first year with a full workload. 
It doesn't mean they did their rookie year, but most of them did rookie or second year, but it's the very first year with a full workload. If they never had the chance to do a full workload, we had <coughs> Adam Gase. You, you see them actually breaking out once they finally did that. And then we had three more breakout into top five in their second year with a full workload. No one in the top that ended as a top five needed three years to break out. They always I mean, in their first or second year with a full workload. If they've already had a full workload and they showed you what they are, that's their ceiling. So Joe Mixon's ceiling is 10. Like he already showed us with a massive workload what he did. And he oh, was well that, I mean, but are you upset with an RB10 and in an improved offense? Well, like he's going to be better this year than last year. What he did last year was more RB10 and that shit show is miraculous. No, he wasn't RB10 last year. He was in 2018. Last year he was RB19 in fantasy okay. per game. Um, and RB 13 overall because he played 16 games and most don't. But he's RB 19. But he's being drafted as a running back six or seven. Do you want your ceiling to be 10 if you draft him at six? Like, if I'm drafting a running back six, I want his ceiling to be one or two or three. I mean, I this year's running backs, I mean, I don't, and we might have a conversation like tight ends though, right? Like where tight end 10 is horrible in terms of a per point game average, but it's still the tight end 10. Like, I think when you start looking at the, we have to, this would be an interesting like experiment statistically, but like an RB, like Frank Gore a couple of years ago was like the RB 14, but he didn't score a ton of points, but it just further proves that like consistent running back play is so valuable that well, having somebody who will week to week in a redraft league get you something and not lose you a bunch you of points. Talk, you want to talk about consistency really quick. I just posted a tweet today going back the last two years, because we're just going to hate on Joe Mixon really quick for a second. <laughs> going back two years, um, for percentage of games played that they scored fewer than 10 PPR points. Fewer than 10 PPR points is pretty bad. Joe or um, Mixon was at 30%. And that's all the way down the list. Like worse six, six um, only Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack were worse at 36 and 42. And that, I, I just did like the top 20 guys or so. But um, I actually, so Kenyon Drake's not in that one because I'm sure it's way worse. But there's a lot of guys on the list, and Joe Mixon was one of the worst. He's actually highly, highly not consistent. Like, he's very inconsistent. But to get back to Kenyon Drake, there were guys, there was a group of guys that broke out once they got the full workload further into their career. So once they changed teams, right, in their first team, they weren't getting the full workload. They changed teams. They got it. And then they became a top five back. And I think we saw that with Arizona last year. He was a running back four during the time he was with Arizona. I mean, the system he's in, I'm all about. Like, I I love you've got a mobile quarterback who opens up holes. You've got a DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I'm drafting him high, too. I just feel like we're giving – if we're not giving Joe Mixon the – and I have them – like, I have Kenyon Drake ranked above Joe Mixon, so I'm not disagreeing about that. But I just feel like the argument of, like, we're not going to give Joe Mixon the benefit of the doubt of being attached to a trash offense – since he entered the league and being a wildly, highly efficient pass catcher and asked to do a lot of things um, that aren't necessarily in his immediate skill set. But we're also, but we're, so we're not giving him the benefit of the doubt there, but we are giving Kenyon Drake the benefit of the doubt, the fact that he never showed up until he's gotten two months of good production over his entire career. Like, I, I just think, I hear you, but I also feel yeah. like 
if Drake was still with Miami, I would totally get you. But I think the change of teams is what gets me where he's actually- 100%, which is why I ranked him higher. But that's also why I think Joe Mixon will be decent because that team is totally changed. All I ever hear with Joe Mixon are excuses. And then I bring up why I can CMC be historical in one of the worst offenses. Like his offense is garbage. And they were only good because of Christian McCaffrey. And are then, you, but Michelle, oh, are you saying that the Bengals aren't a different- like? You, Joe Mixon might as well have changed teams because the Bengals are a different team this year. I don't agree with you. But you don't think that the Bengals are a different – last year there's no A.J. Green. They've got, like, T. Higgins that T.J. Hushmanzada is saying is, like, amazing. You've got Joe Burrow, the most like one of the most storied collegiate players. I, I bring I see back, it happen. I can I bring this back to one of my research projects? So I looked back at all of the sort of – all of the rookie quarterbacks who had played a you know full season, I think the metric I used was 14 games, I want to say. 14 games. I I'm, you did it. I know. It was I need a refresher. Um, I think the metric I used was 14 games. So rookie quarterbacks who started 14 games or more, um, and sort of how the fantasy point distribution looked among the different positional groups. Wide receivers, they sucked. Like, no doubt about it. I do not think we are going to see a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two in Cincinnati this year. I It is this bad. Rotobuzz guy agrees with Liz. He says the O-line was so bad. He showed his potential last year. But I will say the position that shined under I wasn't making fun of you, Rotobuzz guy. I'm making fun of everyone who loves him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome. Wait, just, just to be clear, I love, I love that you're like taking – like I'm, I'm, I have, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I just feel like we are, I've, I feel like the community is willing to dog mix in at an unfair rate in comparison to the extent that they're willing to boost up Kenyon Drake. That's all I'm saying. And I, again, have Drake ranked ahead of me. I need, I need to follow your followers and you need to follow mine because everyone is obsessed with Joe Mixon. Everyone hates on Drake. So we need to switch followers. Hate the Drake. But wait, we need to move on. Wait, what do you want to say? I was just going to say my threat. So when I looked at the like positional, like the fantasy production for each position under a rookie quarterback, the running backs balled hard. Are you and trying like, to be nice to Joe Mixon right now? I'm trying to, I don't know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get factual information. Kidding. Joe Mixon's going to be fine. He's going to be the running back 10 to 12 to 13. He's going to be fine. That's and honestly, like most of the point, it just seems to be volume because they lean on the running back when they are playing a rookie quarterback under center, which is super understandable. It's not a, like... I understand both points, but I do think that they probably will lean on All right. Joe Mixon more. Next than question. <laughs> All right, let's go. This actually has to do with Kenny Drake a little bit, but his quarterback, Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott. Mm. I was Ooh. I was so on the Murray side at first, but I, I I don't know now. So you guys talk me into one way or the other. Lauren, you've been quiet for a while. Who are you taking, Dak or Murray? You're on the board. This. This is so hard and it's so unfair. I would be super happy with either one of these guys. So whatever. But who do I think will finish higher? You know what? I'm going to be spicy and I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. I actually don't think that's spicy. I think a lot of people feel that way, even though I guess they're eating pieces. I mean, different. Right. You're talking about offensive weapons on both sides. I love that. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how much the coaching change in Dallas is going to affect Dak. I love the addition of CeeDee Lamb. I love Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper's fantastic at home, other than that garbage. 
Um, you know, they've got Zeke. They've got a lot of weapons there. Um, I also really like Kyler Murray. He showed a lot of flashes. He's got DeAndre Hopkins. He likes to run. I don't know. It's really tough. But I like red. I'm from St. Louis. I'm going to go Cardinals. Let's go Kyler Murray. <laughs> All right. That's, that, that's literally the only way I can decide that. It's like my mom. She'll listen in on some of my starts and sits that I do on Instagram during the season. And on one of them was so funny. She's like, you need to start Sterling Shepard because Sterling Silver is pretty. So you need to start Sterling Shepard. And what do you know? He blew up that game and scored like 30 points. And the other guy was decided to remember who I was going to go up against. And so now every time when I have a decision, I call my mom. I'm like, what do you think? Just to hear what her weird <laughs> her weird thing is going to be. And I tell you what, nine out of 10 times, the woman is right. Scary. Moms have a special like, kind of wisdom. The people who are beginners are the best because they don't overthink it. We're like overthinking it to the max. She doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. it's not even overthinking things. She doesn't even know what I'm talking about. She's looking at their names and how cute they are in the color of their jerseys. That's it. Okay. Like, so welcome to fantasy football. It happens. In the final months of my mother's life, we started our podcast. And I tried to explain to my mother, hey, we started a fantasy football podcast and I would like play it for her. And she's like, that's really cool that that's like you. And I was like, I know. She's like, but like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I don't know. My dad um, says the same thing. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, it's super cool to like hear you coming from my phone, but I have no idea what you're saying. Like they have no idea, but I, you know what? They, they make the best decisions. I feel like I could have. Yeah. I would be happy with both. I'm going to go with Calgary. Yeah. Liz, who are you going with? Um, so trick answer. Uh, I have Dak ranked higher. Dak's my number three. Um, I'm also, if we're talking Scott Fishbowl, like I'm drafting out of the three spot and I am tilting everybody because oh my God, I'm the three. So are you taking Dak? I am too. You're uh, the two. Yeah. Are you in that wild chat that never shuts up? And I'm like, I cannot catch up with this. I, I'm busy. I don't know. What, no. Oh, I, 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 I know. I, are we a different Too much. I don't know. But I, I like after Patrick, if you need basically the, according to the scoring system in this year's Scott Fishbowl and bless Scott Fish for keeping us on our toes every year, um, you need yes. like a hyper accurate rushing quarterback. <laughs> and so after Patrick Mahomes, who I'm doing a mock right now, went at the two spot, like I took Dak and everybody tilted real hard. And I was like, sorry, guys, like I'm going to mess around with some running backs. This is a mock. Let's see what happens. Let's see how the rest of the draft falls. Yeah. Um, yeah. So outside of that, outside of Scott Fishbowl, um, I have Dak ranked higher, but I am probably going to end up with Kyler because of his ADP. I think that Kyler has is an amazing that like not even value. Like he is probably the best target if I'm weighing all things. Um, also, you know, we we're talking about coronavirus a little bit earlier, and if like an entire O line get shipped because they were all quarantining together and they all test right. positive and you have a new O-line. I am not drafting a statue. Like you need to have a mobile quarterback, not just because it's 2020, but it's 2020 and we're, we're living with the Rona. So right. I feel like my top seven quarterbacks are all mobile. And if I look at DeAndre Hopkins, who has dragged the likes of Brett Ausweiler into production, then like I will absolutely take Kyler Murray, who showed up last year, especially down the end. And uh, I, I like what Cliff Kingsbury is doing. I think this could be Christian Kirk season, though I said that last year. Um, so I um, I think for the value, I'm going to take Kyler. But I do think that Dak will probably 
be the safer, higher floor, more productive, but yeah. it's not worth it. The point differential is not worth the ADP differential. So, right. Okay. So we definitely have, are you definitely taking a quarterback at three? Like, have you guys decided that? Like, what if CMC goes to three? Is he even in consideration? You're taking quarterback. Wait, uh, in Scott Fishbowl? In Scott Fishbowl. Oh no, this was just my mock. I was just playing around. I mean, I don't, if I'm, I'm, let's see. I think in this one, um, I think CMC went one, Patrick Mahomes went two, and then I passed on Zeke or Sa- I think Saquon went number four. I don't, if I can't get, I might take Kamara, but I think I that's like a wasted value. Like I, I think I'm a little higher on. I have Kamara at two. Yeah. I had I'm him at one last year. A little later in the first round because I do feel like there are so many different ways that you could go with this set of rules. And, and the tight end is crazy too. Yeah. Like, Tight end is one full point PPR plus a point for first down. So Travis Kelsey and Jordan George Kittle with no Debo Samuel now. Like I know. talk about Tyler Higby. I know I do love Tyler Higby. So to answer this question though, Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray in just a normal redraft league, I do I have Dak at three. And I actually have Kyler a little bit lower than I thought. I have him at I think six or seven behind Tom Brady, which I'm totally with you that I don't want a statue. And mm. Tom Brady's the only one in like my top nine that's not a mobile quarterback. Um, but Kyler, I don't know. I was so high in him. And then when I did my projections, he just didn't come out that way. And I was, I was shocked myself. Dak just has way too many weapons. His weapons are way better than Kyler Murray's. No matter how you spin it, love me some Hopkins, but I think Cooper and I think Gallup is a great wide receiver too. And then you add in my favorite rookie, CD Lamb, and then you have Zeke out of the backfield. Like those are some good options there. And Dak can still run. Like he's still going to get us. He's still going to get his rushing stats. He's still going to get those rushing touchdowns. Doesn't he have like six rushing touchdowns I think every last, year? I think last year went down to he like three it. or something. Yeah, oh, those sludge. could go back up to six, you know? So I, I'm going to stick with Dak here. As long as he, as long as there's no holdout stuff, which I think would be surprising with a quarterback, um, I would go with Dak. What about you? I'm going Kyler Murray. I, I love the offensive scheme for Kyler Murray. I love literally everything about the Cardinals, not like in a real way, but just like in a fantasy way um, for Kyler Murray specifically. So like DeAndre Hopkins, I've I've said this a million times. He's my favorite wide receiver in, in the NFL. I think he has hands down the best hands in the NFL. No question. Does he have the biggest hands in the NFL? Does he have to cut his gloves just to put them on? Yeah. I heard he has to like cut the palms so that his hands can even fit in them. Can Yeah. Know. Like, that's the that's a really treatment. big problem to have. <laughs> yeah, I, like he's got the best hands in the league, but like I, I still think just the the transition of the offense. I think it's going to be you know a, a step a step not in the right direction for for DeAndre Hopkins, who is used to getting a hundred, who averages one hundred and sixty targets, like. That's unreal. I don't think he's going to see 160 targets, but I do think that the Arizona offense will, will throw the ball plenty, even if it's not to DeAndre Hopkins himself. Um, and his rushing floor, I think, gives him a, a good enough floor, but I think he's got a higher ceiling than Dak. All right. Get your drink out. Three sips. If you ever regretted a drunken fantasy trade, so you woke up in the morning, you've never, Lauren, you've never regretted a, well, because you don't trade in our dynasty league. You suck. I do. I'm just, 
particular. <laughs> I definitely don't. I get sent a lot of garbage. So I'm just like, whoop, open up trash can. Blink. I once um, I sent Zeke for like just like a couple months ago for like Lev Bell and a couple garbage pieces and I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> you sent that train. They were no, like, he sent it and I accepted, but that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, one more question and we'll let you guys go. So it's kind of a twofold because I, I had two questions here, but we're going to put them into one. Okay. You just brought up George Kittle and you seem very excited, Liz, about George Kittle with Devo gone, right? I mean, so, I don't think he's going to get his targets, but it's an interesting thing. Yes. So at the end of your draft, right? Or this is if you were going to go tight end early here. Oh. At the end of your draft, would you be happier with George Kittle and then Crowder slash Slain, whichever one you prefer, prefer they're going around the same spot? Or Kenny Galladay, who's going right around George Kittle? Or, this is confusing, plus her slash fan. Or fan, yeah. I get it. Because they're all, you know, you have your pick of the two. Hurst and Fant are going around Crowder Slayton and Kittle's going around Kenny Galladay. So you're either going early tight end or late tight end. But you're doing, why are you getting two tight ends? Why would you do that? You're not getting it's either or. <laughs> either yeah. right. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's either Hurst or Fant going around the same time late. Got it. Okay. So it's basically saying, would you rather, do you prefer to take that tight end early and you're missing out on a Kenny Galladay? Or you get your Kenny Galladay and you take a, a late punt at tight end. Yeah, so that's what I would do. Um, so I, as much as I love the top tier tight ends, unless, Leslie's pointed out, it's in something like the Scott Fish Bowl, then rules are out the window. <laughs> but in a, a normal redraft, I would rather take Kenny Galladay. I'm especially high on Kenny Galladay this year with Matt Stafford back. I love him. I love him. I love him. I think he's going to be a PPR machine. And I love Hayden Hurst um, this year. I also like Noah Fant as well. So I I think that there are some late-round tight ends that you can target and feel okay with. Um, it's also a position that's streamable. Not awesome, but doable. But I would much rather have Kenny Galladay and then pick up um, Hurst and then whoever people decide to drop on the waivers because of one bad week, I'll scoop them up and stream if I have to. All right, Liz. This, this, is, this is tough because I love Kenny Galladay. I have a, I have a team named Rose Al Galladay because I love him so much. And that I mean, he went wow. to NIL. I like that. That um, is my, my date brings the fire. That's right, oh, girl. Rose Al Galladay. Um, wow. So I love Kenny. I would not touch Fant because I feel like there are too many mouths to feed from a receiving perspective in Denver. Um, and also, I'm not sure about his hands, to be honest, after watching a bunch of his tape. Um, I understand that Hurst is an amazing opportunity in Dirk Cotter's offense, which tends to funnel targets to the tight end position, especially if we look at what Austin Hooper did last year. But the continuity bit has me. I mean, I'll take Hurst late if I can still get him late. I think it's drive. I think the more people get on board to fantasy and the season hopefully begins, like his stock will rise. I'm so I will never have I would have never this is interesting to me because I would have never drafted George Kittle early and imagined I could get Slayton. I'm not touching Crowder. I don't want one of I don't want anyone on the Jets. I don't want one of these fucking like <laughs> young bullshit small ball receivers. Get out of here. Give me Slayton who's like got you know an awesome catch radius. And if we're looking at one of these things is not like the other on the Giants receiving core, that's Darius Slayton. I, I've discovered yep. him last year and loved him. So I think I would take Kittle and Slayton because if I'm looking at TDs and I'm getting six points per um, scoring per score, like Slayton and Kittle can bang it up. 
And yeah, Slayton's going right next to Crowder, actually, right after him, uh, right around Thurston Fan. So someone said, Yeah, that is Robert Woods. Obviously, that would be the choice, but that's not who you're missing out. If you take a tight end, you're not missing out on, you know, Robert Woods is just going to be your next round pick. Also, if you pick Robert Woods, then good luck with your running back core. Like, if you go Kelsey Robert Woods and you're in rounds two and three, who's your damn running backs? Like, that's the yeah. tilt on that one. And this is more about who you're missing out on. So, if you take Kittle, you're missing out. Oh, on that's all. Or you're missing out on a type of player like Kenny Galladay, anyone Rose around him. Jones. I am really high on Kenny Galladay and really high around the guys that are going around Kittle, like Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler. You had Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay. Like, those are all guys going around Kittle. I would prefer them and take a shot on a Hayden Hurst in a redraft league because, you know, if Hayden Hurst doesn't work out week one or week two, you can drop him and try again, you know? Like, try stream it. Until you finally hit. It doesn't really matter because they all score basically nothing in that <laughs> slot. Anyways, like, I'm totally with you, Liz. I'm not taking fat. His his uh, targets with Locke were dreadful, like dreadful. Uh, he had that. I one mean, it's, it's all it's all based on roster construction too. I mean, sometimes you have your guys. Neither one of these is a right or wrong answer. So for anyone listening who's like, yeah. "Oh my God, what do I do?" Neither of these are right or they're wrong. It just depends on what you want your roster to look like the best you can at your draft. So I, these are the decisions you're going to have to make when you're literally sitting there and everyone's like, hurry up. We only got two more minutes, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, the draft tilt is real. What do I, I do? Will, I will these are why I practice these things. <laughs> I, I will say, so uh, last year I was insanely high in OJ Howard. And now I'm insanely high in Mark Andrews. I hope that doesn't correlate and end up terrible for me. Uh, but OJ Howard. You better um, not. Don't you put that juju on my Mark I, Andrews. I was terribly high on OJ Howard last no, year. No, but I was also high on Mark Andrews last year, and it worked out. Okay. So, and I'm still Good high you. on Mark Good Andrews. Good for you. But I was wrong about OJ Howard. And I did a lot of mocks or a lot of best balls. And at the end, I hated my team because I was taking OJ Howard in the fifth. And I was just losing out on that value. So by the time I got to my drafts, I was like, I'm just going to punt and take a later tight end. And luckily that ended up being a lot of Mark Andrews or, you know, some Chris Herndon's who also didn't work out. But, you know, it, yeah, I just went to the waiver wires. But if I would have stuck to my mocks and I hated my teams, I would have had all OJ Howard. And it just, if you miss, like, let's say you take Kittle and he he's going to be great unless he gets hurt. But that is going to be so massive because it's just one position and you bank on that guy. And if he doesn't hit, that hurts you so much harder than any other position. Do you feel me? No, I don't know. No, I don't. Know. I mean, I, I think it can, you, but I feel both ways. You can, I, yeah, I, you I, can I, stream it, it to make up for. It, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But the, the difference between the top tier tight ends, like Liz was saying, the difference between the top tier. I'm talking the Travis Kelsey, the Mark Andrews. Um, who else did we say? George Kittle. I mean, Zach Ertz is a little bit in there too, even though he's falling. The difference between these guys and everybody else is staggering. It's absolutely staggering. So if you want a good tight end, you're going to have to take it early. If you're willing to take a shot, you can go ahead and get your wide receiver one. Or you can get your, you know, RB2, a stud RB2. It just depends on what it is. I don't think that you're going to be missing out massively if you take Kittle early. I think there's going to be other options where you can surround your team with upside, depending on what their matchups look like. So it may, it may take a little bit more creativity, but it's still there. And is Gronk a tight end one still? Is quick he Quick punch. Yeah, real quick. Uh, with, you know, Bruce Arians doesn't use tight ends. Tom Brady loves tight ends and it's his boy. Is he going to produce? Is he not? 
I mean, I, I think that Bruce Arians is going to use a tight use this tight end that came out of retirement to be a 43-year-old quarterback's best and most successful security blanket behind, you know, a brand new offensive line. Um, I, I, I think that my my assessment here, I have uh, have Gronk in my top eight, I think. I think he's like my tight end eight. So, yes, he's going to be a tight end one if we're doing a top 12. Um, my I'm imagining that Gronk is like, the the September and October hero like he starts the season huge like he you know probably has two spikes week one and it's it's back and then the managers who have rostered him are going to have to decide when they need to move on before he falls apart but I do foresee a very successful opening four to six weeks as Tom Brady sort of discovers chemistry with Chris Godwin and with Mike Evans and feels like what he's doing and everything gels. Like I, I think, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Gronk is like leading the team in, in um, ah, catches, not targets, leading the key, leading the team in catches to start the season. I don't ex- I expect yeah. Chris Godwin. He's my wide receiver six to end the season as the best playmaker on that squad. But I think he's going to so, start hot. Yeah. Godwin's your six. And I can't imagine Evans is that far down. Maybe he is. He's 12. Okay. So six, 12, you have Gronk at, eight, which really doesn't mean anything for the tight end position, but still. And then you add in Vaughn, who can catch balls. Like, how – I'm so high on Tom Brady this year. It's scary. I'm at 10. You have Brady at 10? Mm-hmm. I think – I have Brady very close See, to I have time. him at six. He's a, a QB1. He's a low-end QB1. I just can't decide what to do with that man. Oh. Because he is 43, going to a brand-new team. He could totally fall apart. But we all believe his like brain and like, but does his body hold up? Who knows? It's going to be such an interesting offense, and I really hope COVID doesn't take that from us. Doesn't take his forty-three-year-old season from us. I mean, they're in Florida; they're not following the rules. No, they're not. <laughs> nope. Fine. I all can right. attest. Cheers to Florida. Cheers to Florida. Um, all right. Well, that is it. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us. We had a blast. A ball this blast. Is the best double date we've ever been on. No offense. Oh, I was talking about real. Thank you for being my date, Liz. I thank you, Lauren. Yay. Guys, tell us where we can find I your work right. one more time for anybody else tuning in that didn't hear you the first time. Lauren, where can we find uh, your Stepmom work? Lauren. Yep. Yep. Stepmom Lauren. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Stepmom Lauren. Find me stepmomlauren.com. Um, Liz at Liz Loza underscore FF on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, follow me if you feel like it. And if you don't, <laughs> all right he's a good follow y'all yeah she's fantastic and so is stepmom lauren don't if you follow us you probably already follow us but and yeah. and stepmom and and lauren <laughs> yeah. all right bye ladies talk to you later bye guys thank you